Hey, welcome to E-Crime Bites, Season 2, Episode 3, The Boasting Fraudster, J. Nicholas Bryant. And uh, while I was making this research for this case, a new tagline came to me, which is E-Crime Bites, where we read the court documents so you don't have to. And if you're new to E-Crime Bites, this is just where we take a case that we find, we go through the court documents, we try to put the story together and present it to you as the facts are in the public record. And with that, we get into the case details up front to kind of give you a lay of the land on what's coming at you. So I'm gonna start with our first detail about this case and it's the technology. So first, QuickBooks. QuickBooks, if you've ever done business as a business, um, you can use QuickBooks to send people invoices and get paid on them. A text messages was another technology, and that doesn't, I don't think, needs any explaining, but Veeam, V-E-E-M, which is just another type of QuickBooks application that you can send invoices and get payment on and so forth. And that's a technology that Bryant exploited in this episode. Okay, so the crime. This is good old-fashioned fraud, but this time facilitated, obviously, by computers and the internet. Yeah, and you're going to find a lot of cases, pretty much almost any case out there nowadays, you can go to it and find some kind of computer aspect to it. So this particular fraud we picked was fraud that, without computers, the fraud wouldn't have happened in this case, in my opinion. So the criminal, like I said earlier, his name was J. Nicholas Bryant or Mr. Bryant, or we'll just say Bryant. At the time of the crimes, he was 26 and he's from Texas and we're not going to hold that against him. We're going to hold a lot of stuff against him, but we're not going to hold the whole thing of being from Texas against him. And I, as I was writing this research, I was trying to think, how could I describe J. Nicholas Bryant to someone who's never met him and doesn't know anything about him? that's walking into this podcast and I'm just going to say you're going to meet a tornado of fraud. Like once this guy starts, you, you, you're you going to struggle to keep up with him with how much fraud this guy accomplishes in a very short amount of time. Who knows? He might even make our biggest shitbag list at the end of the season. We'll see. So let's talk about our victims here. Uh, we have several flight charter companies and we'll get into that. Car dealerships, a home builder, and various friends and acquaintances, etc. And we'll get into those details throughout the case. I did the research on this case, so I actually timed it well, Seth, this time, because I know you're such a car buff that anytime we talked about cars, I tried to put it right in the microphone, right in your face, so you can talk all you want about these cars, because he spent a, he spent more money than I've ever seen just on cars in this case. I, I'm telling you, I'll tell you that much up front. So why this case? Well, the reason why I picked this case are two huge plot twists that I cannot begin to tell you what it's about without spoiling it. So all I have to say is stay tuned all the way to the end, because when you're like, hey, this case is almost over and you want to go do something else, your attention drifts, he's going to do some stuff at the end. And you're going to go, oh, my God, why did he do that? Trust me, it's it's mind blowing. And. The other reason is I can't believe this technique of fraud still works in 2021, which is the range of the crime here. So this is relatively recent and you're going to see how he did this scheme is not that complex once you figure it out. 
Now, something I want to give you up front that we haven't done before that I think will be helpful is I'm going to give you the names of the acts of this episode and the days we're releasing them. So you're watching act one right now. This is released on Monday and this is just called meet J Nicholas Bryant on Tuesday, which will be the next day of after this one comes out, there'll be act two Bryant's guilty plea. And I'm going to say this guy's a tornado of fraud. There's no, I'm, no spoilers there that he was caught. So he actually pleads guilty. And then on Wednesday for act three, we have Bryant talks to the media and you go, hold up. Didn't you just say he pled guilty? Yes, I did. And then he talks to the media. And this is where the case gets really interesting because in Thursday act four, we get to the sentencing hearing and you say, hold up. Didn't he talk to the media between the guilty plea and before a sentencing hearing? Yes, yes, he did. And we have, we have what he said. And it's just so incredible that you're going to want to, you're definitely going to want to listen to. And then the last day, which is Friday, it's going to be act five. And this is sentencing. This is after the hearing, after he made his case, what actually happened to him at the end of the day in this case. So with that, let's start act one. Meet Jay Nicholas Bryant. And I have some pictures here that I will put on your screen for you. So you're looking at Jay Nicholas Bryant on a private jet with a friend. And this came from Bryant's Facebook. And you're like, wow, cool. He got to fly on a private jet once. Well, more than once because there's another picture from his Facebook with another private jet with a bunch of guys looks like popping champagne from a distance in front of a private jet. I mean, literally the only thing missing from that picture from this picture that I have on your screen right now is Lil Wayne somewhere in there. Lil Wayne's missing. I was going to say something about popping the Chris, but I didn't want to come off like a total idiot. So yes, <laughs> for sure. And then you go, oh my gosh, he's in front of another private jet. Yes, he is. There he is. And, and dress for the occasion, flip-flops, man, that dress. This is how I dress when I go out that upsets my wife so much. And this guy, this guy gets away flying around on private jets dressed like this. I get bitched out when I leave the house, but he gets to fly around on private jets <laughs> dressed this way. It's unbelievable. So all these pictures are on his Facebook and all these things, you know, they've been reported around the media and so forth. It's just been interesting. But this one picture here, this is his friend. The source is Hayden Egemeyer. And I pulled this from, there was one news source that nobody else had this picture. And the reason why I pulled it is we're going to hear from Hayden later on in a quote about Mr. Bryant, which is kind of funny. Um, well, not funny, but just right now you see him having fun in a picture later on you're going to see hear him not having fun when it comes to mr brian is what i'm trying to say not necessarily funny so with those pictures out of the way now you kind of got a little mental picture of what's going on you got a, a guy that likes to flash some wealth and definitely likes to fly on private aviation so with seth set up front victims were private charter companies for aviation it's these companies where you go rent a jet and it costs you tens of thousands of dollars to go from point A to point B, not even back to point A. I'm talking just point A to point B. So keep that in mind. So I'm going to take you to November 18th, 2021. And again, I put this picture of this 
flashy high roller that likes to take private jets. Well, Bryant negotiated with a company named Sales Hangar Flight Ops for one of these private jet flights to somewhere. He went in and said, hey, I'm interested in buying an airplane just like this. And that sounds like every like movie where the con man, right? An airplane just like this. What do you say? I pay you to take me for a ride in this thing. And okay, you have to put yourself in mindset of November of 2021, which is I think COVID vaccines had just come out in that time frame. So people were pretty cooped up. A lot of industries were really, really hurting for money. So anybody walking in and saying, I'm going to pay you to fly me somewhere is probably like, oh, thank God we have some business to do during this difficult period in the industry. So the flight that Bryant wants this company to fly him on to check out this plane that he's going to buy because he has so much money. It departs Lubbock, Texas and lands in Houston, Texas with a final destination of Miami and then a return flight from Miami to Houston with a final destination in Lubbock. Okay, so there's a couple destinations in here. Keep that in mind because it's going to be a little bit important, not overly important, but it'll come up later on. Now to do this, you're like, wow, I wonder how much that flying is. Well, the flights leaving Lubbock. So basically the outgoing flights that cost $33,000, which to the layperson like myself, you go, holy shit, that's a lot of money. But I've also, I have experience as a pilot and I know the aviation industry and actually $33,000 isn't all that much for private chartered flights. So it kind of depends on which side of the coin you're looking at this at on. Now, here's another part where I went, holy shit, an extra $5,000 was added to that to cover just the alcohol beverage, alcoholic beverage beverages. So either, you know, people must just wild, go wild on these charter flights. Yeah, and they can just we talk about this? I, I don't, that doesn't jive with me. So you're more familiar with the, with the aviation industry than I am, but I'll buy the 30 grand or so, 33 grand to fly. And I get that the aviation, maybe they make money that way, but $5,000 for booze on a private jet. So there couldn't have been more than what, five to 10 people on the jet, even assuming $200 of booze a person, come on. And then on top of that, the, uh, the, the, the limo, which is usually, I don't know, $200 these days at the high end. So, I mean, maybe this is what it costs, but that doesn't, I don't know, man. If the cheapskate so, in me is, is not, not kosher with that. The $5,000, and I, I, I talked about the alcoholic beverage, but there's also the limousine transportation and whatever remained to be a quote-unquote tip per Bryant. So, yeah, it's a lot, but I imagine to people that can spend $30,000-plus on a one-way flight somewhere five thousand dollars is probably not that much i don't know so at the end of the day the total is thirty eight thousand dollars okay keep that number in your mind as a listener here that's just one way okay that's just going to miami so you can imagine coming back you're going to have another similar charge so the whole round trip for this thing is seventy six thousand dollars for a round trip 
unbelievable. So all the negotiations was done over a couple of different meetings. One is text messages. So there you have your cell phones and your electronic devices to make it an e-crime bites. But you also had old fashioned telephone calls between Bryant in Texas and company representatives in Arkansas, which is a, a, you know, a different state, which is important for a federal charge like this. So at the end of the negotiations for the cost of this trip, the airline wants to get paid, right? So they said, give us a credit card so we could put this whole flight business on there and we can get you off to Miami and back, sir. And he said, hold on a second. I got another way of doing this. And he says, you're going to send me a, an invoice and I'm going to send you a payment through QuickBook payments which is an online payment platform, right? So at some point they're done negotiating and Bryant says the text message, which, and I'll read it to you, quote unquote, it says, send me that email so I can have my secretary pay you, buddy. And then minutes later, Bryant then sent a message that said she's paying it now. And the sales representative asked Brian to formally confirm the payment so he could start organizing the flights as any sane business owner should, right? You want to make sure the money's going to be in the account and the check's not going to bounce, so to speak here. So he says, you know, he responded with a text message that says paid. I want to make it clear. Bryant didn't have the money to pay for this. He's not making flights going. I'll have $38,000 coming in for one way at some point, And then I'll have another $38,000 coming in at another point where I can just kind of like pay it off before it becomes an issue. He knows he's never going to be able to pay this. And you'll see later on the balls just starts rolling from here. So later that day, Brian fixed the payment. So the court documents tell us that Brian knew how to manipulate the QuickBooks payment platform to trick the charter company into believing that he paid the invoice. He asked the charter company to send an invoice to him for the outgoing flights via QuickBooks payments, right? So there's a you know direct connectivity so that the, uh, the charter company can upload the document directly to QuickBooks. Uh, Brian then initiated payment through the platform, right? So on paper, he got paid, he, they got paid and resulted in an automated message to both parties um, confirming payment and indicating that the transfer of funds would occur thereafter. And then the company representative, of course, via QuickBooks, received and relied upon the message, stamped the first invoices paid, and scheduled the flights and transportation. So no money actually transpired here, but according to QuickBooks, it did. So assuming that, yeah, I guess there's a bit of, I guess, a leap of faith, Jones, where you're dealing with, you know, another party on an invoice that of course they're going to pay you. It's kind of like back in the day when someone would write you a paper check and you're kind of like, well, I have a check in hand. Might not be valid, but I have a check in hand. And that's where we're at in the financial process at this point. But I think there's more reliance on the fact that, oh, it's going to be paid because in the system, it just says it was paid. That's just, that's literally what they, how they describe it is how Seth read it is it looked like it was paid or payment was already initiated. Yeah, and just so we're clear, it's really illegal. <laughs> I mean, that is prima facie fraud, right? There's no like, ah, he meant to pay it, or, you know, in his mind, he absolutely believed that there was a transfer of funds, right? I mean, that's, this is fraud. And frankly, as Jones said, kind of like, wow, that's like, that was really easy. So, um, 
The same transaction sequence occurred the following day for the $38,000 for the return flight. The charter company received the payment notification via QuickBooks and scheduled the flights accordingly. And again, all along, Bryant knew the system would send payment confirmation to the charter company and that because payment process took several days, the charter company wouldn't actually receive notification of a canceled payment for either invoice until he was well after his return flights or the flights had concluded. So in short, according to the court documents, again, Bryant knew he did not have money in his bank accounts to cover even the transportation or gratuity or the booze as promised, much less the flights themselves. Okay, so now let's go forward three days, right? It was the 18th was when the transaction occurred on QuickBooks. Now we're on November 21st of 21. The quote check now bounces. So three days later, according to the documents, while Brian was in Miami, the charter flight company received notification from QuickBooks payment Brian's payment for the first invoice failed. So Brian, of course, had promised to pay both invoices with a bank wire transfer. He did send multiple text messages that day from Miami and then from Houston, assuring the company with each text that the invoices would be paid. The charter flight company ultimately grounded the airplane in Dallas on the 23rd of November, and Brian continued sending text messages assuring the company that he would make payment. And that same day, he ceased communications and refused to answer text messages or phone calls from the charter company and shockingly never actually paid the $76,000 that he owed to the charter flight company. Yeah, and grounding in Dallas is not Lubbock, which is why I was explaining those cities to you earlier. So he's not all the way back home yet when this is discovered. Right. So it turns out there are 50 more victims here. Our court documents indicate that Brian admitted and agreed that he defrauded at least 50 unsuspecting individual victims through similar means. Further admits and agrees that he used sophisticated means in furtherance of the offense in count one, and we'll get into the counts later, and in furtherance of other fraud schemes. He used online payment platforms, including things like Veeam and QuickBooks payments, to convince his victims that payment was forthcoming. He manipulated the processes to make it appear that he made payments while knowing all along that his payments would never fund and that the victims would never receive payment. So why did people believe Bryant? You're, you're going, this guy's able to walk in and somehow move large sums of money that he doesn't have and somehow get big tangible services and things out of what he's doing fraudulently well from everything that i've read in the research is he played the part and that's what made people believe him <laughs> it so for instance when he had oil and gas investors that he was trying to trick he knew it was more of a face-to-face -face handshake see the land look at some oil equipment type of deal and that's what he exploited so he would go to the links of you know registering a domain name of a company if he talked about a company that was involved with a particular deal he set up fake identities of people that he would say worked in particular companies a part of these deals he would you know use fictitious persons with they'd have um you know fake telephone numbers and email addresses that he would set up under those names so what i'm trying to tell you is i'm just giving i'm just scratching the surface of the iceberg here 
when I'm giving you these examples is he put a lot of work into his fraud in order to make it look believable in order to trick the people that he's getting the money from. And you're going to see from each little quote and snippet we give you from his friends and the people that became his victims, you're going to see this kind of plays out where it's kind of like, ah, he was my friend. So I trusted him. Right. And the whole time as an impartial observer, we're all going, no, don't do it. Don't do it. But you'll see. So keep this in mind that he put all this extra work into it to trick these victims and many, many, many victims fell for it. So, and, and I didn't give you the dollar amount. So in the oil well instance, when he tricked the oil well investors, and I believe we're going to talk a little more about them later, he tricked them out of $150,000. So we're not talking $5,000 here, $10,000 there. We're talking very large chunks of change that he's getting from people, but he is putting all the work into it. So tell us about some of the vehicles that he owned, Seth. So as a car guy, I certainly appreciate this. So Brian had admitted um, that through his fraudulent schemes, he acquired or attempted to acquire extensive, expensive vehicles, including a number of vehicles with a combined estimated value of over half a million dollars. He successfully acquired five of the vehicles before the victims discovered his fraudulent scheme. Yeah. And you go, what does that mean? He would steal vehicles some of these these high-end vehicles through his fraudulent scheme it's not like he stole money and then paid for the vehicles legitimately he actually used his schemes to get some of the vehicles too which is mind-blowing right i mean it's like if anything wasn't nailed down it seemed like this guy was trying to um, steal it like for instance his home he was able to convince a builder to build a home with a pool and a workshop. So the builder had invested a substantial amount of work and labor into this house for Brian for a payment of approximately $1 million. Just it's $20,000 shy of it's a million dollars. It's a million dollar house. He tricked the builder for a million dollars. Like, you know, it's almost right like there. this could be like a, a show that I would watch. And I don't mean that shitty Joe Millionaire dating show from 20 years ago, um, but like, hey, you know, can the average person just get like crazy expensive things thrown his or her way just by bullshitting? And, you know, I, I've seen people like, you know, check into hotels without a credit card. I've seen crazy things. So, you know, I guess I'm not totally shocked by it. But, you know, you know, when you're dealing with Thirty and forty thousand dollar chunks of money, which is in some regards people's entire income, it is quite baffling. Uh, and I almost want to tip my hat to the guy because clearly he pulled this off well. But at some point, like, did he think he wasn't going to get caught? <laughs> like, I mean, you know, you rip somebody off for you know a piece of pack of gum or something. You know, it may not justify hiring a lawyer for that and chasing after somebody. But when you're you know million dollar house and flights and cars, it's 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 quite fascinating, quite frankly. So yeah, um, yeah, let's get into some more detail here. The court documents indicate that there were other charter flight victims, right? We said there was more than one. Apparently, this happened. Keith, how many times did you think this happened with the charter flights? At least 17. Right? Like, at some point, you're like, holy shit, I pulled that off. And I screwed another company over for $70,000. You do that once, holy shit, right? You do that twice, I'm a badass. Once you get to 17, it's almost like it's not even that interesting anymore, right? 
So at least 17 <laughs> charter flight entities by using fraudulent means to convince of entities mm -hmm. to fly him and his friends to various destinations in the United States. Nine of the entities fell victim, but in nearly every instance, Brian demanded limo service, uh, transportation, um, and that the planes were stocked with vodka. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. He, he continues on. He was, remember, he seemed to like spend time in Miami. Well, in Miami, he spent a half day sailing on a 90 foot yacht for he and his friends. I imagine that wasn't cheap. He demanded steak dinners, champagne and vodka during the sale. So I imagine that's not cheap considering just the limo ride and liquor expense was $5,000 earlier. I imagine, I imagine it's probably in that range for a yacht as well. In all these schemes, victims never receive payment. So I'm going to tell you, I, from here on out, I can't think of a scheme where he actually paid anything on it. So just keep that in mind as we keep saying these. Yeah. So this one blew my mind. This little foot, this was a footnote, but I thought this poor fucking guy. All right. <laughs> and I don't say that about uh, Nick, Nick Bryant here. I'm talking about the guy he defrauded, which was while he was in Miami, the driver he has Somehow, Bryant convinced this guy to pay for expensive hotel rooms for them. So he defrauded the limo driver personally as well as all these other fraud schemes that we're talking about. I told you this guy was a tornado set. And everybody, everybody was left without payment. So you go to the end of the day and you say, wow, that was a whole bunch of shenanigans he was up to. How much did that cost? Well, when they totaled up, they said it was in excess of 1.5 million. So you have one dude who figured out this trick of being able to cancel a payment that he never started in QuickBooks and Veeam, and then just went on a, a spree until he was caught. Right? I mean, a very, very quick, elaborate, elaborate spree. And what's interesting, What's interesting to me about this, Jones, is as opposed to some of the other cases we've seen where like there was a loss of funds, but it was more like, you know, it was a tax refund for fraudulent um, uh, filing. So it was really more like the money just had to shift from the government, right? You know, uh, you know, to, to the individual or a theft of crypto, which, you know, it's not tangible money, right? Um, except in, in uh, the, the Zong case where it was, uh, where they had, the, they had the actual chips. But here, like this was like $70,000 in airline. This is actual physical vehicles. This is a physical home being built. And so it's real tangible stuff that was defrauded. It wasn't all kind of virtual currency or, you know, services rendered without actual, you know, a tangible element to it. This was real physical stuff. So this is, you know, in some regards, a very unique in our two seasons of uh, e-crimes we have uh, looked at. And in the court paperwork that I researched, it was very evident. Like they went through and talked about the aviation company being so excited because they had a finally a big paying contract of $76,000 when business went through the floor because of COVID and everybody was celebrating until they realized they just got stiffed. And oh, by the way, you know, who's going to pay all that gas, jet, you know, people's salary and all this stuff that is involved with just moving jets from one spot to another. Liquor, limousines, all that stuff. So 
yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. And I'm going to pause here because we're at the end of Act 1, which that was just meet J. Nicholas Bryant. And now we're going to end up going into Act 2, which is Bryant's guilty plea, because you knew, you knew there's no, this guy could not last long living from spree to spree like this. You knew he could not last long before a, either somebody found him and hurt him severely or B the law caught up with him. And the, yeah. the fortunately the law caught up with him and our act two is going to be him pleading him pleading guilty. But in that process, we get to learn a whole bunch of stuff that we wouldn't have learned otherwise. Yeah. Cue up candle in the wind. Maybe we'll have to put that on the soundtrack here. So with that, if you enjoyed any of this, please, if you're on Apple Podcasts, just drop us a five-star review there that lets other Apple Podcasters find us. If you're on YouTube, give us a like, give us a subscribe. If you're on any of the other platforms, they usually have some kind of like. If you are listening to this on audio, please subscribe on that podcasting app as well, because then you'll know when we release these. And like I gave you at the rundown at the beginning, we're breaking this down over a week. So this is Monday that we release it. And tomorrow is going to be act two, which is Tuesday. And that's going to be the guilty plea. And we hope to see you there. Thanks. Bye.